Father, thank you for so much. Thank you for redeeming our souls. Thank you for doing so in spite of ourselves. Lord, thank you for making that provision and being 100% responsible for it. Lord, uh, thank you for your word and, uh, Lord, how it is the instruction manual that we can securely follow to know how to live better and to know how to reflect Christ more effectively. Lord, I pray that as we get into your word this morning that you will move in on each one of us with your Holy Spirit, invade our hearts and our minds, and Lord, change uh, what we have in us uh, to look more like Christ. Lord, we hand this time over to you, ask you to do great and mighty things in and through it. Equip us for moving forward from this place so that we may best represent you as we do so. And uh, we thank you in no other name than the one who has given us that right, and, and that is that of Christ. Amen. Okay. Quite a few years ago, uh, I had joined a ministry team, and uh, one day, uh, as we were hanging out uh, with uh, fellow team members, one of the individuals on the team began to speak disparagingly about another team member who wasn't there. Uh, I looked at this person kind of strangely, and uh, I then called them out on it, and I said, look, that, you know, you shouldn't be telling us that. That's gossip. She said, that's not gossip. And I said, well, then how would you define gossip? And she said, well, it's not gossip if it's true. And then she followed that up with, and it's not that bad anyway. Well, first of all, while words and phrases used by God in his word do include untruth as a facet of gossip, Gossip can still be carried out even if the information being conveyed is accurate. Yes. This is a matter of the heart. And whether the information is accurate or not, gossip's foundation is corruption in the soul. Not necessarily the matter of the words. And by the way, the information is never completely accurate anyway, but we'll talk about that later. Secondly, it is that bad. That's another thing that we're going to talk about later. Why this topic at this time? This morning as we're driving here, uh, my daughter asked me what I was preaching on. I told her it was gossip, and she said, uh-oh, you have anyone in mind? <laughs> and I said, no. You know, I, Really, uh, this congregation of people is to be commended because this is an area uh, that we have done very well in, excellently in. Um, maybe not perfectly, but on this side of heaven, nothing that we do is going to be perfect. But I can say uh, that you have done well and you are to be commended for it. But I've been to this rodeo too many times to know that it's going to stay this way without us being careful with it. What we're doing right now is we're part of a new church that has come into an area of the world that is low on the gospel. Uh, you know, we're, we're in Nassau County, uh, less than 3% uh, evangelical, and we're having an impact. The enemy's not going to, you know, lay down and take that. Um, we are about to merge with another group of people, and uh, we are in a stage right now where our congregation is growing, 
not just growing in quantity, but also growing in quality. We see a lot of wonderful things happening. We're about to join with another group of brothers and sisters in Christ uh, who I believe are good folks. The Lord has uh, sanctified them and, and is continuing to do a good work in them. And what we are doing right now is headed towards, and we've got to be careful with this thinking, what could appear to us to be kind of this utopian society. Again, I've been to this rodeo too many times. When I see that coming, there are other things that I see coming. One of those things are the temptations that, the, that God's people will fall into to engage in things that will derail the operation. We have entered a stage in ministry where it would be particularly advantageous for the enemy to ignite gossip. We are coming together with another congregation of people who do some things differently than we do, who may think differently than we do, who may be a bit leery of this new tribe coming into their territory. Opportunities for gossip increase exponentially under these circumstances, and the flesh, the world, and the evil one would love to use these opportunities to derail God's unifying of his people for the advancement of his, uh, of his kingdom. This is a preemptive message. We're going into a, a, new, a new year. Thank God we're going into a new year. Hopefully, uh, this will be much better experientially. But in so doing, we need to go in there preemptively equipped to handle things that may be thrown our way, and I'm telling you right now, likely will be. First thing that we want to do, though, is identify the beast. We need to define gossip. What is it and what is it not? What I'm going to do is begin by looking through a series of Old Testament passages that use different terms for gossip, and then we'll look at New Testament passages that also use different terms. But what's interesting is that there, there is a variety of terminology that is used all pretty much about the same thing. It's us talking poorly about someone else. Exodus 23.1 says, You shall not bear a false witness or a false report. Do not join your hand with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. The term there refers to being desolating, destructive, bringing about ruin. And remember, what we're doing when we gossip here is we're desolating, destroying, and bringing about the ruin of a person's reputation and their life. Whether your intention is to have this end or not, it still has this end. You might not mean to wipe out somebody's life, but it happens. Leviticus 19.16, you shall not go about as a slanderer among your people, and you are not to act against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. The term here for slanderer is literally talebearer, someone who is a traveling scandal monger. Uh, this is an act against the very life of your neighbor. Why uh, does God say in this case not to do it? He ends it by, I am the Lord. You're on a need-to-know basis, and you don't need to know other than I said so. That is from God's mouth. Deuteronomy 19, 16 through 20. If a malicious witness rises up against a man to accuse him of wrongdoing, then both the men who have the dispute shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who will be in office in those days. And the judges shall investigate thoroughly. 
I want to highlight that. The judges shall investigate thoroughly. And if the witness is a false witness and he has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him just as he intended to do to his brother. Holy smokes. Thus, you shall purge the evil from among you, and the rest will hear and be afraid and will never again do such an evil thing among you. Do you think God takes this seriously? A false witness is to receive the penalty they wanted inflicted on their victim. While the mandated response to malicious witnessing is identified here, what should be noted by us is how seriously God takes malicious witnessing. He takes it so seriously that he's willing to transfer what the gossiper was going to do to the gossipee back to him. When I gossip, let's even assume that I have all of my facts accurate. I am gossiping because I want a certain outcome, which at least includes the development of a negative sentiment towards the person or by the person to whom I am gossiping, towards the person against whom I am gossiping. When it is pointed out where I am wrong, though, would I like to have others feel that way towards me? According to this passage, that would actually be the just outcome. If I'm trying to tear down someone's image in your eyes, and I'm wrong, then according to this passage, my image should be torn down in your eyes. Psalm 15, 1 through 3. O Lord, who may abide in thy tent? Who may dwell on thy holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. That's who. He does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. The talebearer may not abide with the Lord. Let me say that again. The talebearer may not abide with the Lord. As a side note to ponder, I really want you to think about this. When two parties are having a conflict, which one will be more likely to come to you? The righteous man who abides in God's tent, who walks with integrity, who works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart, or the talebearer who does not abide with the Lord even though they claim to be a believer? Who's going to come to you first? The talebearer. Unfortunately, the unrighteousness that drives that action is also driving uh, what caused the conflict to begin with. In any given conflict, the one who is less restrained by the Lord will often be the first to control the narrative in your ear. Psalm 10, uh, sorry, Psalm 101, 5. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. No one who has a haughty look and an arrogant heart will I endure. Notice that in each one of these passages, there's a mention of slander, of tail-bearing, of, of bearing, uh, uh, being a malicious witness. And then in immediate sentences or descriptions therein, uh, there's a whole series of other horrible things that, that are related to it. Here we've got a slanderer who will be destroyed, who has a haughty look, has an arrogant heart. Those all go together. The term here, though, means to wag the tongue, literally, to accuse. 
please note that God's response to the one who accuses others behind closed doors, who avoids following the proper biblical protocol and handling matters of personal conflict, what we would call church discipline, will not be tolerated by the omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent creator of the universe. And I list those things because we need to know he knows everything that's going on. He knows everything that's being stated, and he has the power to do something about it. We need to fear. Proverbs 10:18. He who conceals hatred has lying lips, and he who spreads slander is a fool. Concealed hatred is coupled with spreading slander. The term here means defaming, giving an evil report, inducing infamy. The irony here is that the hateful person who lies about another does so, among other reasons, to look wiser and more profound than his victim. God says he's actually a fool. Proverbs 17.4, an evildoer listens to wicked lips. A liar pays attention to a destructive tongue. Okay, he just changed things on us a little bit. The term here means naughty, mischievous, perverse. A gossip in this case is not identified as the one who speaks, but as the one who listens. Didn't say a thing, but he's still a gossip because he received what's being said. Now, let's move to the New Testament and look at some of those terms. John 7, 24, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. You know, it's interesting, the mantra of our culture today is thou shalt not judge. They don't know diddly squat about any part of God's word except they know thou shalt not judge me. It's inaccurate. God tells us to judge. He just tells us to judge accurately and justly and righteously. The term here means to condemn judicially or mentally. By the way, we are never told, again, not to judge. We are told not to judge unjustly or inaccurately. Rightly judging, though, demands that I have a clear and accurate understanding of not only the situation, but also of my nature as a sinful human being in desperate need of a Savior. If I understand my own condition before God, it's so much easier for me to extend grace and mercy to someone else and, and alleviate that need to gossip. I've said this a million times, I'll say it again. The degree to which you are capable to extend grace and mercy to someone else is in direct proportion to the amount of grace and mercy that you understand has been extended to you. Same thing goes for me. Romans 1, 28 through 29. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind. Now, keep in mind who we're talking about. These are individuals who have been given over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. Well, what's not proper? We're going to see. Being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil. Remember what gossip is associated with. All this stuff full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips. The term here is whisperers, uh, ones who speak so that not all can hear because they know what they are saying is controversial. They know what they're doing. Romans 1.30 continues, 
right after gossips, he says they are slanderers. Here's more relevant or related uh, vices. Haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same thing, but they give hearty approval to those who practice them. It's only gospel that's true. It's not that bad anyway. God help you. The term slanderer here is a secret calumniator. Uh, individuals who manipulate others' opinions through whispering, going behind closed doors, going where others can't hear you. Now is a good time to point out that the whispering may be so subtle, now catch this, that there may not even be a sound made. I can gossip about you without saying a word. We can easily calumniate. We can easily manipulate another's opinions towards someone else simply by rolling our eyes, raising our eyebrow, shaking our head using a whole variety of body language that communicates to the other one dissatisfaction with the individual. 1 Timothy 3.11 says, Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Related passage, Titus 2.3, Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips. Why are you picking on older women? <laughs> I'm not. God's word said it. you got to take it up with him. Um, in this passage, there are vices, uh, things, instruction that God calls you know, we as old men out on, calls our kids out on. It's not this. This is what he's calling uh, older women out on, and that is being malicious gossips. That term malicious gossip is diabolos, falsely accusing. That's uh, where we get our devil from. He's an accuser. James 4.11 says, do not speak against one another. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law. In other words, you're not submissive to it. You're actually bringing it under your power. You become a judge of it. Do not speak against one another. That means to speak evil of. Which, by the way, there's nothing stated in there about the accuracy or the truthfulness of what's being stated. It just says don't speak evil of. What are the major causes and catalysts uh, that we need to be aware of? A lot of times we can see the temptation uh, of gossip coming our way if we see these causes and catalysts start to develop. The first one is simply our sin nature. We were born into it. If we go back to Romans 1, 29 and 30, by nature, if we are left to our own devices and we are unredeemed, we are, among many other evil things, gossips and slanders. It's what we do. Dogs bark, birds fly, humans gossip and slander. The only medicine to that is redemption and sanctification, only provided through Christ. Another major cause or catalyst would be the specific hurts that lead to vengeance. A while ago, uh, an individual told some horrible things to a bunch of people about my wife, about my kids, and about me. 
They weren't even just embellishments, but they were flat-out lies. They were made up. The hurt and the damage that it caused to each one of us elicited a level of wrath from me that I had not experienced since my redneck pre-Christ days. I wanted to do to this kid what he had done to my family <laughs> and announce it. I wanted to make posters. I wanted to shout it from the rooftops what he had done. And what's worse is that the world would view me as being justified in doing so. Biblically, though, I do not have the liberty to do so. And instead of seeking vengeance through spreading the news publicly, I must relinquish control of the situation to the one whose judgment is just. I could wipe this dude out like that, and everybody would say he's justified in doing it. No, I'm not. Specific hurts that lead to vengeance are major, major causes of gossip. And part of the reason they're major causes of gossip is because we would receive applause from the brethren at times for doing it. Another cause, general hurt that makes words of edification difficult. Some have been raised differently than others, um, and some have not been raised with this as a role model. Some have been raised with a lot of hurt, and internally it, it, it's uncomfortable for them to give praise, and instead it's much easier and more pleasing to our fallen nature to be critical of others and put others down. It's easier. Welcome to the flesh. Take steps of faith and replace and this is a challenge to you, and it's a challenge to me. And it takes discipline to do it. It's a conscious effort that we have to make. And that is to take a step of faith and replace whatever negative statement you wish to make with a positive one, even when it's about your enemy. Then practice it. Practice does make perfect. At least it makes better. You will find the general hurt begin to grow strangely dim. Another major cause of catalyst, fleshly need for significance. Uh, one of the most impactful books that I ever read in my Christian walk, I don't even remember who wrote it, uh, it was called the, the Search for Significance. And it drew the reader's attention to the fact that we in our humanness are constantly seeking ways to develop a sense of significance. And unfortunately, when done in the flesh, those searches for significance bypass the only legitimate one, and that is considering who we are in Christ. That is where my authentic significance must come from. And when I'm not getting my significance there, I try to find other ways to do it. Instead of resting in who, who God says I am, I too often seek the applause of fickle man. <laughs> you may earn it today, <laughs> but tomorrow you're going to be back on their duty list. Okay? It's going to change. Getting the applause of fickle men is not stable. It will not remain. In order to elicit the adoration and admiration I want, though, and in order to accelerate its development, I may speak poorly of others in order to keep them from obscuring the altar upon which I sit to receive worship. My search for significance must end in the gospel, not in the applause of man. Another major cause and catalyst of gossip, too much free time. 
Idle hands are indeed the devil's workshop. That's not biblical, but it is wise. When I am busy studying, working, creating, playing, ministering, and worshiping, I do not have time nor interest in speaking poorly against my neighbor. I just don't have time. My attention is consumed elsewhere. Now, here's the danger, is that gossip is often packaged in very deceptive ways. It looks good, but it's only designed to get the Trojan horse in through the gates. So, in our Trojan horse motif, our flesh is a very clever thing. It wants to gossip. It demands to gossip. When you catch on that it is wanting to gossip, it will then find ways to disguise gossip not only as acceptable, but even as noble. Uh, noble actions, but will still gossip. It demands it. We've got to be aware of it. How do we do this? What are the Trojan horses? Number one, prayer. Please, please, please watch for this in your community groups. A long time ago, uh, I was involved with a church, with a pastor who we eventually escorted out of the church. And he used to spread all sorts of information throughout the church under the guise of, we need to pray for this. Before you use prayer, which is a holy and reverent action to spread everyone else's knowledge of something that someone else has done, rethink what you're doing. Does this need to be said? I can, if it needs to be prayed for, I can pray for it. I can pray for it without mentioning names, and I can also pray for it myself without mentioning it to anyone. Another Trojan horse is, I have a concern about. Anybody ever heard that one? This is particularly clever because it sets the listeners up to be real losers if they don't listen because they are heartless and cruel because they do not want to console this person over their concern. I have a real concern. Okay, let, let's not share that here. What? You don't want to hear my concern? What kind of a Christian are you? I've been clobbered with that one a million times. Another Trojan horse, request for help and wise counsel. If this request is sincere, please don't tell me who it is. <laughs> you may have a legitimate concern. You may have a, a legitimate need for help, for wisdom in a certain area, in a certain conflict with a brother or sister. You can seek that wise counsel without telling me who it is you're in conflict with. And maybe I'm not the right one to tell. Okay. Or maybe your community group is not the right group to tell. Another Trojan horse, expression of shock. I can't get over this. I need emotional coddling. Get over it. That doesn't warrant gossip. A lot of times we are shocked by something that someone has done, and we must just express ourselves because we've got this modern uh, Jungian... Um, you know, idea of psychology that if I don't get it off my chest, I'm going to explode. That's a lie. That's a lie from humanistic psychology. It's a lie. We do not need to express our shock in the form of gossip. Finally, and this is something that I have to be very careful with as an elder, another Trojan horse can be spousal oneness. 
I'm one with my spouse. They need to know everything I need to know or everything I do know. No, it's gossip. There are arrogant assumptions that gossip makes. I'm in the know, and I know what is completely accurate. The first arrogant assumption is this, uh, that the individual has the correct perspective. It sounds something like this. I have the ability to know the hearts of man, and I have the authority to evaluate and pronounce judgment because my heart is the only one in the universe that is not deceptive. (laughs) Oh, be careful with this. Please be careful with this. When I assume to know the hearts of men, realize what I'm doing. I place myself in a position that only God has right to. I don't know your heart. I may be able to identify an action that you took, but I can't tell anybody why you did it. I don't know your heart. For me to assume that I do is quite arrogant and blasphemous, quite frankly. When I assume another's motives for doing something, I blaspheme by making myself an all-knowing God. Another arrogant assumption is this. The the gossiper assumes complete knowledge. It sounds something like this. I know all about the circumstances, the people involved, the wrong approaches that have been taken, the entire context. It therefore follows that I have a right to say something about it. No, you don't. (laughs) You You don't know everything. You don't know what led up to the problem. You don't know what went on behind closed doors in a discussion with the elders. You don't know, you don't know, you don't know. The gospel also arrogantly assumes that they have a constructive audience. Sounds something like this. The person with whom I am sharing this information will simply agree with me and then keep this to themselves. (laughs) Oh, you have a lot to learn if you think that. The gossiper makes a final assumption, and that is that they have a clean record themselves. It sounds something like this. I'm above that transgression. In fact, I am transgression-free. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 rebukes us. It says, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. If you think you can't fall in that area, you don't know who you are. If I think I can't fall in that area, I don't know who I am. The devastating consequences of gossip are tremendous. It only takes a spark to get a fire going, right? James 3, 5 through 10 says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be. Gossip results in the following. Division of the brethren. Now, before we take that one lightly, let's see what God's word says about that. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 says, There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, 
a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and catch this one, and I'm going to read it the way it's written, because it starts this off by saying, these are things that the Lord hates. Notice he doesn't hate the action. It says he hates the one who spreads strife among the brothers. <laughs> I don't want to be on the business end of that. The devastating consequences of gossip, the first one is the division of the brethren. And we are headed right into it, guys. And again, I want to commend you for the great job you've been doing in this area. Keep it up. We've got to protect our brethren over at Gateway when we get there. Um, and we've got to watch for this kind of thing because we do not want to be engaged in the division of the brethren because God hates the one who spreads strife among the brothers. Another devastating consequence, gossip results in the disruption of love and trust. Someone gossips to me, I don't know when I got my back turned if they're gossiping about me. It disrupts love and trust. It undermines God's way of sanctifying the brethren through discipline. This is something that I've seen quite frequently, is we'll have an individual who gets caught up in unrepentant sin, and we as elders spend hours thinking about it, praying about it, meeting with the individual, warning them, pleading with them to repent. And it's all undone because someone else gets involved and they talk. Now, depending on whose side the gossiper takes, if it's on the side of the one being disciplined, gossip enables the sinner who's being disciplined uh, to sin further because it condemns the agents of discipline. On the other hand, if the gossiper is on the side of the disciplining agents and against the one who's being disciplined, it increases the sinner's burden. It makes it worse for them. Our objective is to bring them to repentance, to get them out from under that burden, to get them back on a life of rightness with the Lord. Gossip undermines that whole process. So how do we prevent all this? We have a few mouth guards for the heart. Love is the first, and it protects against malice and selfish gratification. Love the brethren, love your neighbor, love your enemy. If you love as Christ loved, you will not gossip. I will not gossip. Second preventative measure, the driving force behind the sharing of any information is to reconcile and to edify. That should be our motive. Shouldn't be to seek vengeance shouldn't be to uh, raise our own self-image. It should be done to reconcile and to edify. Someone may be unrepentantly hurting themselves or others. They need to be called on it, but they don't need to be gossiped about. If you are seeking reconciliation and edification, you will follow proper biblical protocol. Uh, I would send you to Matthew 18 for that. Finally, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Set your hearts on things above, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. If we do that, the things of earth, which includes gossip, grow strangely dim. So what are our action points? What can we walk away with this morning? 
How do we slay the fiery-tongued serpent? First of all, we consider God's mercy and grace to us. As I said before, the degree to which we can extend grace and mercy to someone else and not gossip about them is directly proportional to the amount of grace and mercy that we understand we have received from the Lord. The greater a wretch that I perceive myself to be, the greater the offense that I know I've been rescued from. Right? And the more numerous the tendencies I have to sin, I will be able to relate to in another person's life. Okay? Thus enabling me to uh, more easily extend grace and mercy. Before speaking of another, analyze what's in your heart. How is this gratifying me, what I'm about to say? How is this going to edify the church and glorify God? Is it? Am I loving the person I'm about to mention, even if they are my enemy? Am I justifying sin? What aspect of the cross and its implications have I not yet embraced and am therefore seeking fulfillment via illegitimate means? When I gossip, I'm trying to find significance in a way that I was never intended to. And it is because I have not completely consumed what's been offered me on the cross. <laughs> if I have, and if I understand that, I know where my significance comes from. I don't need to seek it at someone else's expense. When exposed to gossip, offer to mediate reconciliation, or on a stronger level, initiate accountability. I work in a position where I have teachers, I have parents, I have students. And the opportunities for people to gossip about others uh, come to me frequently. One of the things that I regularly do, uh, and I will continue to do this, is when an individual comes to me to speak about someone else, I will say, okay, let's drop everything that we're doing and let's go talk to them. Puts an end to it real quick. <laughs> okay? Now, if their complaint is legitimate and it's real, they will quickly say, yes, let's go reconcile. Let's go fix this. I want to help them. Most of the time, though, it's, oh, no, 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 okay, I'm, I'm fine. I didn't mean what I said, you know, <laughs> lie, 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 lie. But they want to back out of that. And they'll know that you're not somebody they can come to again. Conclusion. Where there is sin in the body, there are legitimate ways to deal with it. Is anyone in here above sinning? No. There are legitimate ways to deal with it every time that we do sin. Gossip is never one of them, though. Aggressively oppose gossip wherever and whenever you see it and champion the unity of the body of Christ. That must be our driving force, our driving uh, goal uh, as we grow our body and as we unify with another one, and that is to aggressively pursue its unity. James 3, 13 through 18, and I will end with this, says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. 
For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. <laughs> it seeks and it creates peace. Gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now, on behalf of myself and I believe the other two elders would agree with me, you are again to be commended for how well you have been in this area. We have not had to deal with uh, gossip on a tremendous level at all. Um, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Uh, we've seen it. You are peacemakers. Continue to do that. Pursue that. The day will come when you are offended, when you are hurt, when someone slights you. Pursue peace anyway. There are ways to handle offenses. Let's do so biblically. But let's do everything that we can to maintain the unity of the body and protect the peace of the church. Amen? Let me pray for us. Father, you have laid out in your word uh, a very difficult thing, and even an impossible thing for us to follow if left to our own devices. Therefore, we desperately need you working in and through us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, motivate us uh, in the seat of our convictions to pursue that which is just and righteous, to speak well of others, even our enemies, Lord, to love the brethren, uh, to aggressively pursue unity. Uh, but Lord, we know that in order to do that effectively, it must come from you. That is not a human quality. And uh, Lord, therefore, here we are. Please send us uh, out from this place uh, to do just those things. Um, but Lord, help us to... Um, to see it when it's coming, the temptation to sin, uh, the temptation to gossip. Lord, help us to avoid it. Help us to take those thoughts captive before a word is spoken. And Lord, help us to uh, be Christ-like in everything that we think, say, and do. And we are thankful uh, that we have the power source by which any of this is possible. Uh, and we thank you in his name, that of Christ. Amen.